0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin. Father, praise your holy name for your glory and your power in our lives praise your name that you are the creator of all things, the author and perfector of our faith. Father, you're the giver of all good gifts. We worship you this morning as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we, um, with reverence now, open up the truth of your word, understanding that it is your gift to us, Father, as a foundation upon which we build our lives. Lord, it's absolute truth. Lord, it helps us understand more about you and gives us a very clear picture of salvation. Father, I pray that as we study this morning, you would just enlighten our hearts, Father. Help us just through the power of the Spirit to understand and learn and live for you in all things, Father. And as we study and then as we go this morning, I pray that we would, through the power of your word, be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. So I got a phone call earlier in the week from Coach Tanner Glisson, the head football coach at Troop High School, and, and they attend our 11 o'clock service, and he said, listen, Adam, he said, the football team is off this week. We're not playing Friday. We've got a bye week, and we're going to have a, just kind of a fun Sunday afternoon together. We're going to go eat lunch together. We've got a restaurant that wants to feed us, and we're going to hang out, watch a little NFL football. But he said, we decided as a team... We'd like to go to church together. And he said, we put it to a vote, and they voted unanimously to go to Rosemont. He said, would you like to have us at 11 a.m.? And I said, no way, absolutely not. <laughs> of course we want to have you. Of course we'd love to have you at 11 o'clock. And so next hour, we're going to reserve, I think, 10 or 15 rows here for the entire Troop Pie football team. Between the coaches and the team, there's supposed to be about 100 people here. Which is very exciting to me. And, and so after that phone call, I just started praying and the Lord started working on me a little bit. You know, and I started thinking about what I'd want to say to these guys and... What an opportunity it is because a lot of these guys are probably not in church. I'm sure some of them are not believers. I'm sure some of the coaches are not believers. And the Lord just really impressed upon my heart. This is a great opportunity to, to have a, a kind of an audience with these young men and with these coaches. And so as as I really prayed through this and, and studied through this, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna kind of change things up a little bit this morning instead of preaching in the book of Acts, I want to preach something kind of related to these guys. Now, I don't want you to think it doesn't relate to you because it does. God's Word always relates to us all the time. So I want you to know there's something for you this morning. But as you hear this and are mindful of what we're studying, I want you just to think about the next uh, service. I want you to think about these guys and the impact we might have on them. Be praying if you would for the 11 o'clock service. Uh, pray that the Lord would do great things. And, and just, to be, just to be clear here, this is interesting. We didn't plan it like this, but uh, I think Thursday, Jason did the devotion for the Callaway team, is that right? I did the devotion for the LaGrange High football team Friday, and now we've got Troop High School in our services Sunday morning. The Lord has given us an audience with these kids. What an, what an incredible thing. So the ministers of, this, ministers of this church have spoken to every football player in our county in the public schools in the last three days for the glory of God. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a neat thing? Yeah, Amen. And so I just want to encourage you, if you, I've reached out to as many as I know if I, if I missed you. If you're a teacher or a student at True Pie, we'd love you to hang around for a few minutes after this service just to greet these guys. We don't, we don't need for you to stay or do anything fancy. Just go shake their hand, welcome them, tell them that you're glad they're here and that you hope they come back. Okay? Alright, so take your Bibles now. Let's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Anybody watch any college football yesterday? Yeah, everybody laugh, of course, of course, right? What else is there to do on Saturday? I think all the local teams did pretty good, so it was a, a fun Saturday. This time of year, football kind of dominates, at least in this part of the world, right? We, we've got a high school football Thursday and, and usually Friday night, even sometimes Saturday. Got college football all day Saturday, NFL now Sunday, and, and some with Monday night. And, and I just started thinking about this service and, and about the 11 o'clock service especially, and I just started being reminded. Of the Lord, that, that Paul oftentimes in the New Testament on several different occasions uses the idea of athletics to make a point. He uses the idea of athletics and competing and running and and racing, and he parallels that to kind of the Christian walk, uh, to our walk in this life, and and there are lots of, I think, really good things we can learn about how we ought to live our lives, uh, about how our race in the things of Christ matters, and so we're going to take a look at some verses this morning that talk about athletics, that talk about running a race, that will help us in in our day-to-day as we try to live for the glory of the Lord. So we have it on the screen for you. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 9 beginning in verse 24. Written by the Apostle Paul, the words of the Lord. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we And imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, there's some truths in here that I want you to see and understand, and it's kind of all about the race. It's all about running, it's all about competing, it's all about the way that we live our life. And and so as a believer, we kind of go into this with a mindset of, of running the race for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's the first truth I want you to see about this race. We have it on the screen for you, number one. The race we run is eternal. Right, Not news to a lot of us, but maybe it's a good reminder that the things on this earth will one day disappear. Every time I do a funeral, I'm just, I'm just kind of hit in the face with this truth and I'm just reminded that this world is temporary. You am know, I'm, I'm kind of the, it's, it's funny, I've been told as you get a little older, you don't, your mind doesn't think you're older, your body kind of reminds you that you're older on a pretty regular basis, but I'm kind of middle-aged now and I've got four kids and, and my oldest is 16 and I was told when she was born that time would fly by, but you don't really quite understand that until you're in the middle of it and you wake up one morning and they're junior in high school and then I'm sure they're in college and then they're married and also you're a grandparent and time just flies by. And I think we, we need to be reminded that, that as important as the things of the, of the world are, the, the race we're running is eternal. Right? There's, a, there's a bigger picture in mind for believers. There, there's something else out there. There's something else we, we need to be aware of as we think about the, the, the race that we're running. Now, I love what Paul does right here because he kind of he taps into a, to a human emotion that, that most people feel. Mo, most of us like to win. Don't we? We don't we don't like to, to lose. And so we compete in different things, whether it's a job or school or, or athletics. And we believe that, listen, if we'll work hard enough, if we'll train hard enough, if we'll put forth enough effort, that, then we'll be successful. And this is kind of what Paul says. Pull up verse 24 again. He, he makes this interesting point here. He says, don't you know that in a race, everybody runs, right? So, so everybody's running a race, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Right? There's this sense that, that, that in the Christian walk, we, we ought to run this race in such a way that we can win. One of my favorite examples, I've, I've used this before, and I've actually got some pictures I want to show you here in just a second. So, Wanda, you can kind of cue those up if you want to. One of my favorite examples is the 1996 Olympics. Now, I hesitated a little bit to use this example because next hour, none of these guys were born in 96. That makes you feel a little bit old, doesn't it? Like, to me, the Olympics in Atlanta were yesterday. Ninety six was what twenty one years ago now, but one of my is that right? Yeah, wow, twenty one years. One of my favorite examples is Michael Johnson. You may remember Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson was a sprinter. He he ran the two hundred and the four hundred meter dash. Uh, he actually won the gold medal in both. He set two world records. He's still the only man in history, I believe, to have won the two hundred meter and the four hundred meter in the same Olympics. Now, this was the first one I remember. I don't know if you remember this uh, about these Olympics. But this was the first Olympics I remember. They had the, the, they, It's pretty common now. But they had the track camera that moves along with them. Do you remember that? And it's the coolest thing, man. When he made the turn and the 200 to, to the last 100 meters. And that camera was running along with him. I'll never forget that, man. It was cool to watch. He won both of those events. But I, I bring you this picture because he was pretty confident he was going to win. But he, he had this vision of victory. He was running to obtain the prize. There's something you may notice a little bit different. I'm going to zoom in a second. Look at his shoes. Go to the next picture if you would. He, he literally had Nike make him golden shoes. No joke. So, so when, he fir- when the first heat of the Olympics, well before he qualified for the gold medal round, he wore these gold medal shoes because he believed he was going to win. And he did. Right? right, Paul tells us. Listen, I said this a few weeks ago. You can go ahead and take that down if you want to. Now, I said this a few weeks ago. We we need to remember and understand that Christ has the victory. Right, we know how the story ends. We know we're going to win. Maybe we should all paint our Bibles gold. That'd be pretty cool, right? Any kind of gold medal. Kind of cheesy joke there, right? Nobody's going to paint their Bibles a gold. But we have this idea that Christ, we know that Jesus is going to win, right? We know how the story ends. Paul says, we need to run this race so we're going to obtain this prize. But now, let's be clear because I don't want to lose sight of where Paul's going right here. Paul is using an athletic example to give us a spiritual truth. Right, because he's, he's going a little bit deeper here. Pull up verse 25 if you would, please. Paul kind of gives us an idea of what he's talking about. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. All right, so Paul kind of makes this comparison, right? In this race of life uh, that we're going through, this journey that we're on, we, we have kind of this opportunity to, to, to receive a perishable wreath or an imperishable. So he kind of compares the two. Now, in Paul's day, when athletes would compete and they would win, they would get a wreath. Oftentimes it was small enough to kind of fit on their head. It was made out of flowers or sometimes branches, things that were alive, and, and they would wear it. And for a couple of days, it'd be beautiful. It would smell really good because of the flowers. But after a week or so, it would begin to wilt. After a month or so, it, it'd be dead, and six, six months it's gone, right? It's perishable, it goes away. Paul says when you, when you win a race, when you, when you win something on this earth, you receive some sort of a, a perishable prize, but we're running for something that's imperishable, something that's eternal, something that will last forever. Now here's the problem. This is kind of the rub of Christianity in our world today. The problem for so many people is we just, we, we just maybe understand this uh, uh, intellectually, but we're not living it out in our lives, so to speak. Like all of us would say, yeah, the things here are temporary. Uh, There's an eternity beyond this. We get that. We understand it, of course. But are we really living our lives as if this world is temporary and there's an eternity to come? I would think not for most people. We kind of run this race and we've kind of termed it the rat race, right? We just kind of go and go and go and go trying to accumulate more and get more stuff. And, And there's nothing wrong with working hard. I'm not saying that. God has blessed us with jobs and we have an opportunity to provide for our family. But we, we, we have to have this mindset. We've got to have our perspectives correct here. We understand that the, the race we're running doesn't just end when we die. It doesn't just stop. God has a plan for us and it's an eternal plan. And so the question we start asking ourselves is, okay, if, if God has kind of laid out this race for us, Paul's talking about this race, If the race is eternal, which it is, that's exactly what he's saying, how do we win an eternal race? Well, let's go back to the Scriptures. Let's see what he says. Go back to verse 25 for me. Every athlete exercises self-control in all he does. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable, verse 26. So I, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Let's stop there for a second. Let's make another point, right? That the race is eternal. We get that. There are things yet to come. All that we have now will one day disappear. So we need to make eternal decisions, yes. But here's the second truth Paul wants us to see the race that we run has purpose. The race that we run has purpose. Paul says, I don't just run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, right? God just throwing punches for no reason, right? Paul says that there's purpose to what we're doing. There's a reason we've been placed here. It's more than just accumulating things and finding enjoyment. There are eternal ramifications to what we do now. There's an eternal race to be run. And the way we live life right now has purpose and impacts us not only in this life, but in the life to come. Now the question comes up a lot of times with people's the purpose of life. We've heard that before. What's the meaning of life? And you can read, I bet there are thousands of books written about the purpose of life and people will talk about financial things or or becoming famous or social status or education there's a lot of things that the people of the world outside the truth of scripture would define as the purpose of life like why are we here what are, what are we trying to accomplish but one of the things we always ought to do when we interpret scripture and this is just kind of a, a simple principle of scriptural interpretation is we interpret scripture with other scripture so so to better understand what, what Paul is saying here, to better understand kind of what this race looks like, we ought to read some other parts of Scripture. We ought to bring some other verses in so we can get a kind of fuller picture. And Paul is, is real clear in Philippians chapter 3. You don't have to flip back, but you can make a note of this if you're taking notes in the margin of your Bible to kind of check this later. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14, listen to the words of Paul. Same idea of athletics and racing to win. I press on, he said toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So, so just to be clear, if we're thinking about running a race, if this is an eternal race, if there are things yet to come, and there really is a purpose in this life, what is the purpose? The purpose, very simply, of our lives here is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. right? And so, so everything we're called to do in this world ought to arise out of that purpose of glorifying the Lord, of seeing His holiness, of of living our lives based on His Word and His will. The the, the purpose of life is to glorify the Lord. One of the ways we do that is by living for Him. Now, we think about Jesus Christ, and when we think about all that Jesus has done, and and I want to just kind of spend a couple of minutes here, I don't want to miss this opportunity, just to remind you of Christ. Because I think it's very easy for us as we think about eternity and we think about the purpose we have here and, and the race we're called to run. I think it's very easy to kind of forget what Jesus did and to forget all he accomplished. So, so just to be mindful, right? We, we've heard these stories before, but let's just be reminded Jesus came in, in very humble circumstances born in a really in a feed trough in probably a cave in the middle of nowhere. He didn't come with glamour or glitz or all the things we would think that the creator of the universe would be given very lowly in his entry. He lived kind of this uh, uh, life of seclusion. Nobody knew much about him. The Bible doesn't speak of him for the first 30 years or so. He's a carpenter by trade. The Lord uh, in probably the 30th year of his life, leads him, he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness, he begins his ministry. Right, so for three years, he's, he's healing people, he's walking on water, he's doing some pretty incredible things. And then all of a sudden, when we would think of kind of the, the height of his ministry arises, he kind of willingly walks to Jerusalem, allows himself to be crucified, turned over, arrested, beaten, crucified. And the, the leaders, the religious leaders, the people that we're studying in Acts now, uh, the religious leaders, uh, the Romans, they thought it was over. They thought they'd kind of taken this guy They'd started this movement and they'd kind of ended it. It was done. It was over. And then on the third day, Jesus rises from the grave, spends several weeks with his followers, goes into heaven, and then the book of Acts kicks off and the church is born and incredible things happen. But I just want to remind you, I don't ever want to miss this opportunity as we think about Jesus Christ to remind you. I don't want to ever assume in a church this size that everybody fully understands this. So let me just be very clear just for a minute here. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that means understanding your sins, repenting of your sins and turning to Christ, if you've never done that, then you're not a believer. And the Bible is real clear, and I'm I'm not trying to scare you or talk you anything. I'm just trying to give you the truth of the Word of God. There there is an eternal purpose, and there is an eternity. You will spend an eternity after death. The question is, will you spend it in heaven with Christ or in hell separated from the Lord? Those are the two choices. And the Bible is very clear in in Scripture that that if you'll repent of your sins and, and trust in Christ, you'll be saved. And so I just want to give you the opportunity in just a few minutes when we wind this thing down I'm down here at the invitation I just want to remind you and give you the chance if you've not prayed to receive Christ to repent of your sins let this be the day. (laughs) Let this be the day that the Lord kind of gets a hold of your heart and and changes who you are and and kind of corrects the trajectory that you're on that eternal perspective that maybe you haven't had before. Let this be the day that everything changes. Because here's here's what we find out in in scripture time and time again that If we understand the purpose, if we understand what we're called to do and who we're called to be, and we keep our eyes on Christ, then he's going to use us. I I love the story in Matthew chapter 14. We'll be very familiar with it, but I I just love the example here of Peter. Peter. When Jesus is, is uh, the disciples are in the boat and they've, they've rowed out across and Jesus is kind of waded back behind them and then kind of in the middle of the night, the Bible says Jesus just kind of walks out on the water. And if you go back and read that account there in Matthew, it's kind of nonchalant. It's not as if there's a miracle. It just says Jesus just walked out on the water pretty much. Like, you know, no big deal. The earth ends and the water begins and I'm just going to keep walking. So he walks out across the water, out across the lake and he walks past the disciples who are out there rowing and trying to get across and, and they see him. They think it's a ghost. They're afraid they're not sure if it's Jesus. Peter thinks it may be Jesus and so he calls out to him in verse 28. Lord, if it's you, right? He's calling out across the water to this figure that's kind of walking across the water. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, "Come on." <laughs> and so Peter got down from the boat, walked out on the water, came toward Jesus. So he's walking on the water, right? Towards Christ. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? There, there, there's, a, I think, a lot of truth in those few verses, right? If we'll understand purpose, if we'll understand our calling, if we'll keep our eyes on Christ, then man, we can do incredible things. As long as Peter saw Jesus and focused on Jesus and trusted Jesus, he was walking on water. But the Bible says when he saw what? The wind. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to notice what's around him. And he sinks. How many of us in our lives today have taken our eyes off Jesus? We're so worried about the wind around us that we feel like we're just sinking in our faith. We, We need to be reminded of this purpose. We need to be reminded of this calling. We need to be reminded that in all things, we we need to fix our eyes on Christ. And the wind and the waves will come. And we've all lived long enough to know they're coming. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. Maybe it's blowing. Maybe there's a storm brewing around you. Maybe there's one ahead. Maybe you just came out of one. We know storms in life are coming. We're familiar with that. Don't get bogged down worrying about the things around you. Just focus your eyes on Christ. Let him be your guide. Let him lead you. And I just, I just believe with all my heart, if we would just do those things, God would use us to accomplish incredible things for his kingdom. Now we need to finish this up. Let's look again at verse 20. Let's just start at verse 24 and read through and then kind of make a final point here. Bring verse 24 up again. So do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable, right? So we're running an eternal race that we desire and want to win. Verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, right? There's purpose. We're not just wandering through life aimlessly. There's a purpose for us very clearly given in Scripture. Now verse 27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control Lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Right, so, so so we see the race is eternal, we see the race has purpose, and then number three, the race we run requires discipline and perseverance. It's not easy. It's not easy. It requires us to trust the Lord, to discipline ourselves, to persevere as we walk through life. Now, if I came to you right now, let's just pretend I'm gonna to come to you after the service. And I'm going to say, hey, listen. Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., I want you to meet me up here at the church. We're going to run a marathon together. (laughs) There may be a few of you that can do it. Most of us could not. However, if I said to you, you know what? A year from tomorrow... Next October, the whatever of 2018, I want to meet up here at the church and I want to run a marathon together. Now, if you were willing, right, and there's a lot lot that goes into that, a lot of mental. And if you were willing to give it a shot and really work hard and, and really train for the next year, there's a chance in a year you might be able to run a marathon. It'd take a lot of work. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of perseverance, a lot of dedication. But there's a chance in a year you could do that, right? We, so we understand the idea of working hard and perseverance and, and setting goals and, and training. If you've ever worked out or played some sport, there's all sorts of training that goes into that. In your business world, you understand the training you've received over the years, the continuing education. If you're a school teacher, you understand the preparation that goes into teaching a lesson. We get the idea of preparation and training and perseverance and discipline. That makes sense to us, except oftentimes when it comes to the Christian walk. It's like we get dedication and discipline and perseverance in everything in life except when it comes to our walk with Christ. Why is that the case? I think it's because the enemy does everything he can to trick us and to lie to us and to make us think it's not a big deal. But I would say to you scripturally, there ought to be times in our lives where we're training ourselves for the things of the Lord. We ought to discipline ourselves for the things of the Lord. Right? I, I bet most people in here, every day of the week, have a pretty clear regimented schedule that you walk through. You get up at a certain time, you get ready, brush your teeth, go to work, whatever that look, take kids to school, go to school yourself, whatever that looks like, right? And we don't usually fall into the rut of saying, you know, this week I'm just not going to get up. I'm just, this week I'm just going to take off, I think. I think I'm going to take the next five days, and the boss will be fine with that, right? All the employees will be fine, right? course not. That's silly. We laugh at that because we know it wouldn't happen. And yet, right, let's just, let's just be clear about this. Yet, we would say to the king of the universe, the author of our salvation, Jesus that gave his life for our souls, we're okay saying to him, I'm going to take the next few days off, Jesus. (laughs) I'm not really willing to discipline myself. I'm not really willing to persevere. I'm not really willing to train myself for the things of the Lord. And what what if we took this race seriously? What if we trained ourselves and persevered and, and disciplined ourselves in, in our Bible reading, in our prayer, in our church attendance, in, in our studies? But right, I've used this example before I'm going to use it again because it's very helpful for me. I, I downloaded this app, I don't know, maybe a year ago called Scripture Typer. It's just one simple little app. It was free. And it's just a way for me to memorize scripture. Like one of the things I struggle with is time, like so, by, so many other people, right? And the idea of finding time. And So I just downloaded this app, and I have my phone with me at all times. It's usually very available. Uh, it's a scripture memorization tool. So now if I have five minutes, if I'm going to lunch with somebody, then I got five minutes to wait. I'll pull that thing out, and I'll review two or three of those verses. It reminds me, it's an easy way to do it. We need something in our lives, is what I'm saying. We need something in our lives that will remind us, that will help us, that will allow us to grow and be disciplined in our work. Because we get it when it comes to athletics and racing and school and study and our job. We get that, but what about walking with Christ? Because what what I would say to you, and scripture bears this out, and I think everybody in here would agree the the race that Paul has called us to run, the eternal race we're on, is the most important race we're ever going to run. It far outweighs anything we're going to do here on this earth. And so I just want to encourage you to, to take very seriously this race that the Lord has put us on, to be challenged with this truth of eternity. To be challenged with this truth that this race has a real purpose. That it requires discipline. It requires understanding who Christ is. It requires salvation in Him. And, and so I, I just want to leave you this morning with, with this idea. We're going to go into prayer here together in just a second in a, in a time of invitation. I want you just to examine your hearts very closely. Where are you in this race? How, how serious are you about running it? And I want to ask you just where where you are. Just spend some time in prayer about your life. If you want to come down front and pray, the altar will be open. And and, and then just one final thing. I want you in your time of prayer, during this time of invitation, very simply, I want you to pray for these guys that are going to be here next service. I I want you to pray. If you're affiliated with Callaway, I want you to pray for the Callaway football team. If you're affiliated with LaGrange, pray for the LaGrange football team. These are young men and coaches that work very hard every week. They're in a very difficult environment. They need people praying for them. So let's just kind of covenant together for the next few minutes to, to pray for these young men, for these coaches and all they do. And let's just ask the Lord to do great things in their hearts as well. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the words you've given us. I thank you for the calling you've shown us in 1 Corinthians 9 to run the race, Lord, with perseverance. To win the race, Father. it's It's an eternal race that we have to take very seriously. Help us to understand what you've called us to do. Give us a a real clear understanding, Father, of of how we should discipline ourselves and how we should understand how how to walk. Father, help us to to, uh, take the the truth of your word and apply it to our lives. And if we've not received salvation, that this would be the day. But Father, just just reinvigorate us, re-excite us, Father. Re-energize us for the things of your kingdom. And may we serve you every moment of every day for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. It's an opportunity for you to pray. You can pray where you are. You can pray at the altar. Just allow the Lord to move you and speak to you, and you respond this morning as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.com. Dot org. God bless.